I love the generative moment in a really engaging conversation when the world falls away and you forget time and place. I've had listening as a secret superhero power for as long as I can remember. I think listening helps build a great conversation and real listening is done with an open curiosity and very little of your own agenda. It may sound easy, but it can be really hard to do. I like to make connections between ideas and people. It's just the way my brain works. Why do we connect with other human beings? I think it's part of the hierarchy of needs. Comfort, connection, community. I've always been uncomfortable with the question, what do you do? I don't equate what you do with who you are. We all have multiple interests, passions, families, backstories, and futurescapes that make us who we are. Every interaction changes us, some in big and some in small ways. I hope this podcast changes you. My next guest, Julian Smith, I know through the Malden Writers Collaborative. And uh, he's going to be reading some of his work today, which is great. And he has an amazing uh, voice and um, vocal technique, and uh, you will be gripped by what he has to say. Julian Smith lives in Malden with his spouse, Ben, and his two kids, an eight-year-old boy and a four-year-old girl. Julian grew up in southern New Hampshire and moved to Boston for college and law school. He loves to write, sing, cook, hike, listen to music, play video games, and move with his friends and family. Julian is an attorney practicing health and administrative law and spends any free time he can find any free time he can find writing stories with the dream of one day becoming a published author. I think that's more than a dream. I think he's definitely going to be a published author and he's going to uh, read some of his work today, which is great. So my guest, Julian Smith. This is Felicia Ryan, and I'm the host of Hi Felicia Podcast. My guest today is Julian Smith. I previously read your bio, but as a way of introduction, how do you usually talk about yourself? Sure. Um, Hi, Felicia. (laughs) Uh, My name is Julian, and um, I am a Malden resident. I've lived here for um, six years. What part? What what, uh, neighborhood do you live in? Uh, Forestdale. So it's Forestdale area. And um, when I moved to Malden, that was a really important thing. People asked me what neighborhood. Oh, really? I yeah. haven't got that. I haven't got the where do you, where do you live very much in like in Malden? Um, or maybe maybe I did and I answer by street and they, <laughs> and they meant by, by area. Maybe they that's meant it. neighborhood. Maybe yeah. they meant neighborhood. Which trees are you designated by? Yes. Right. <laughs> um, Yes, I live I live close to the Forestdale Cemetery. Nice, yeah. that's beautiful out yeah, there. It's, it's a nice it's a nice area. It's really nice. And you have two kids. Two kids, a spouse, um, Ben, and um, I have an eight year old boy, almost nine. Oh and, my goodness! Yes, and a four year old girl, four and a half. And she's made some um, cameos during our zooms on uh, the Malden Writers Collaborative. That's correct. She <laughs> loves to appear on camera. That's yes. her favorite thing is to watch herself. She doesn't care about all you guys. <laughs> she, she wants to see herself on camera. Yeah, I think she was like dancing. Yes. <laughs> she didn't want to go to bed or something. Yes, that's accurate. Though. That's right about bedtime. She wants to say goodnight. Of course. Of but course. that's usually a ruse. She wants to see herself. 
we take pictures and videos of them, and and usually it's like immediately right after they'll come over and 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 yes. and butt in. Can I see? Can I see? Can yes. I see? And they'll laugh hysterically at themselves. Um, but but it is it is kind of it is kind of cool that we have that that they can yes they can immediately have a reaction yeah, about themselves. Yeah. I was um, <clears throat> trying to create a video for supposed to get married i'm always afraid to say it out loud because it's only been postponed like 17 bazillion times because of covid but in october and i'm putting together a slideshow that's sort of like our life together as well as remembrance of folks who can't be there who have passed or ancestors and i am digging through the largest pile of actual photos like nothing is digital. Nice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> old school photos, like real pictures. Yes, yes, like Polaroids and like things that uh, I don't even know where they came from. And or pictures of pictures. People are taking pictures with their phones and right. like. Yep. And everything now for, you know, my stepdaughter who's 15 and like your kids is just digital. They're like, take the picture and you can see yourself. Yeah. In- yeah. Instant, instant gratification. Instant. And- it's a different world. It's yeah. a different world for me. I know I'm a different generation than you, but like, um, it was a Not big that different. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I'm a different generation than you. Um, but the the like video having video cameras or like videos of yourself as kids. Like, do you have any of? Yeah, that? definitely. Yeah, yeah me and didn't. my brother and and um, yeah, we had this giant video recording device that my mom would pull out on special occasions and spend an hour trying to put it up together. Do you have a big family? uh, No, not a big family. Yeah, I guess, I mean, if you include like everyone, um, but we don't don't have a lot of family that is close by. Mm -hmm. Um, They're sort of a diaspora um, on my mom's side. My dad's side's really small. We're the only kids. He has three brothers and and he was the only one who had, had kids. Um, but we have a lot of cousins on on my mom's side. Yeah. yeah. See, so, and you grew up in southern New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. We grew up in Nashua. Um, oh, that's yeah. super close. Yeah, so it's that's really not close. really it's like on New the Hampshire, border of Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah, it's on the border of Massachusetts. It's 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 Massachusetts without a strong accent and <laughs> no sales tax, but really high property taxes. That's what it is. Very it's, nice. It's yeah. a good description. Um, so when you moved to Mald, well, I know you went to you moved to Boston for college. Yes. Um, how did you meet your spouse? In college, actually. <laughs> did you really? Yes. Um, we went to the same college, and I dated his roommate for a year. Oh, my goodness. No shenanigans. I know it could be a really scandalous story, but we we started seeing each other months after I had broken up with yeah. his, his roommate. Was um, it undergrad or, or law school? Undergrad. Okay. Yeah. Where'd you go undergrad? Northeastern. Oh, okay. Yep, right in, right in Boston. And I loved it. It was a it was a great school, a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. And you went to? Did you go to Suffolk Law School? Yes. Okay. Yes, I remember. I did. See, I'm remembering some details I here. Do, you do remember? <laughs> yes. It's funny because you're the to me, and this might just be my own like personal bias. You seem the most unlikely lawyer that I've ever met. <laughs> Thank you. You're like very unlawyerly <laughs> to me. Usually, if uh, like stereotypes aren't so good, all, all a lot of the time yes. from attorneys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, what was it about practicing law, and especially the type of law that you do, that sort of attracted you? The 
first time I remember saying I wanted to be a lawyer, I was um, in sixth grade, actually. Yeah, I mean, I also wanted to be, you know, a firefighter and astronaut and all the things you want to be when you're growing up. But the lawyer stuff. I almost spit out my iced coffee. (laughs) Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, but. The lawyer kind of kind of stuck around. I don't know that there's like something to the to the um, to to that kind of uh, con- that kind of like I, I don't know seeing all the sides and trying to come up with the best arguments. And I'm not argumentative, but I like coming up with those kinds of of like re- like what is the justification for this? What is the reason? And in the kind of law I practice, it is more. collaborative it is more it's not adversarial i'm not a trial attorney Mm -hmm. i don't i don't go in front of a judge usually that's the first thing people ask me when do you how often do you go to court well zero times i've been court to court zero times um i'm i'm an attorney for um for program staff for for state employees um and um it's a really actually a really great job it sounds super boring but it's in the health field and and Mm -hmm. i practice a lot of administrative law so it's like regulations and statutory um, review and, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So you're, you're, you're using sort of like your um, superhero nerd skills in that yes. area. So like there's like a part of you that really likes the minutia, the reasoning, the language in there. Yes, for sure it, it is. I mean, I went to Northeastern um, for political science. I was a political science major. And when I started law school, I was like, I should have gone for English, um, because it's all about words. That's all you do is manipulate words. It's what does the regulation say? What's the law say? And that's what I do. It's it's sort of like not a... When people come to me and ask for legal advice where I work, it's not because something bad has happened, usually. Sometimes bad, sometimes bad things happen, and we have to fix it. But usually it's, how do I do this right so something bad doesn't happen? How do I do this correctly? especially where it's the government Mm -hmm. and they have to do it right. They have to take in all the stakeholders feedback and actually come up with the best program for everyone, which usually means everyone's a little bit upset. Um, If everyone's a little bit upset, government is working correctly, I think. Um, (laughs) But if, but if one party is very excited about it and one party is very unhappy, you did something wrong. Uh, But so, so the, so the program people, like they come to me and they, and they ask me like, what, what what are we supposed to do here? We have some entity that we that we regulate that's doing something wrong, or we wanna we wanna make it so that they all have to do this certain thing, or maybe they all don't have to do it anymore. How mm-hmm. do I how do we get it done? And then we do it right the first time. That's anyway that's the goal. I can totally see the connection between your lawyerly stuff, the writing, the words, and then your writing. They, what do you mean? Well, because the care and attention that you pay to the story that you've been writing and that you've been sharing in workshop, mm-hmm. it's very um, it's very language oriented. I mean, there's there's clear, and I know that you've um, expressed in workshop, and I think we had a conversation offline where you were talking about like story arcs and um yeah, sto- yeah story theory yes yes um it's a, r- a really interesting i don't know i guess i would call it a pastime that i that i've put on myself that 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 there's this thing called called story theory and it's a, a development from um like looking at how stories have worked for hundreds and thousands of years and and yes all the way back to the greek like 
epic poems, but but it's developed into into a, a more modern theory too. But mm-hmm. it, but there's like it's it's like in in this three part like the first the first twenty five percent of the the story is is like in the normal world. And you have to. You know, there's all these elements that go within it. There's like the 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 hook and the inciting event, and and like there's all these elements of 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 these. I would I wouldn't be able to speak off the cuff um, so intelligently about it, but 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 I but I use this kind of method, and then and then the second and then the second part of the story is is 50% of it. It's from the 25% mark to about the 75% mark, and that's like. Um, some people call it like the fun and games, like this is the, the, or the promise of the premise. Like, what is the story about? Well, that stuff happens between the quarter mark and the third quarter and the, and the third quarter mark. And, um, and, and then there's, there's this move from the normal world in the first part to the, to the, to this adventure world in what is happening in the story, this main character in a typical like arc of, of a, there's one main character, this main character moves from the normal world into the, into the adventure world, starting at about the 25%. And then, and it's because of this, this thing that happens that causes them to react so strongly to the normal world and push out of it. So they push themselves out through this strong reaction and then they go halfway through the story. Um, they, they stop reacting to things and start acting. And that's about the 50% mark. They kind of try to take control. Um, and then there's these elements in there called pinch points where there's like something bad that happens that reminds you of what is this antagonistic force. Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's nature. Sometimes it's some something within themselves something, some, or something else. Um, but, but this antagonistic force has to keep reminding you it's there mm-hmm. in the story. And then at the third quarter mark, uh, um, at the 75% mark, you're at this, at this place where something something has to happen so bad that that you start moving toward the climax and the climax moves about halfway through the the third part and then there's this climactic moment that has to resolve a question you ask in the very beginning so it's like will will they defeat the the monster and save the world mm-hmm. and then the climax answers the question yes or mostly yet yeah, mostly yes in a hero adventure but sometimes no they don't they don't they they succumb to it or they don't defeat it and then maybe there's a part 2 or something but but um and then there's sort of like a i don't know what's the word um denouement yeah um I, I'm not French. <laughs> I don't speak French very well. Is I know where French? you're going. Um, but, but it's sort of like uh, wrapping up the things yeah. th- things that happen afterward. There's like a falling action in the classical yeah. theory. And um, that happens after the cl- the climactic moment. And um, so there's this thing called story theory that I really like. I, I, I've read that some people find it limiting or restricting. But I actually find it really liberating because... It provides a framework or a structure, mm-hmm. and you can put whatever you want in it. So it provides you a a roadmap, sort of, yeah. of the of the major beats, of the major points that that you know that you have to get to. Yeah, and you can make it how how you can make it however you want, however you get there, whoever is getting there, and I find that um, really engaging, learning about the theory and then applying it. I love um, I love that you've brought that into workshop, but I love that you use that as your roadmap. Does it make sense for you to uh, introduce and read a little one of excerpt from one of your yes. pieces? Okay, yes. okay. It's, yes. So it's the same story that we've been reading in workshop. <clears throat> yeah. Does the um, novel have a title, or are you still? It's a work in progress. It's a well, yeah. So it's a work in progress. Um, I 
do have a, a tentative title, and it's a, I, I've played around with a lot of different words or permutations of things that see, see, sound similar or use similar words or themes. Um, right now it's called Finding Forever, and, and it's about two brothers who are in the foster system, and it does take place in Massachusetts, and they... There are some things that happen, and the 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 main premise is the older brother, who's the main character, has the this idea that he really wants to live with his little brother again, and he's afraid, he's he's terrified that he's not going to be able to, and his little brother is the most important thing in his life, and and so he he runs away with him, and that's that's the premise of of the story, and. The reason it's called Finding Forever, it's a little bit of a play on on what what you hear. Um, I'm in the process of adopting two kids, and so I have some experience with the with the foster system and um, social workers and their language. Mm. And and a lot of what they say is is oriented around like finding this new home, this new place this new family you're going to have and ap- appreciating and acknowledging and celebrating the where they came from but also appreciating and celebrating where they're going and they they have this concept of for forever home and so this idea that I'm trying to get across from the title is is that finding forever and 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 this is sort of their the main character's goal is like trying to find find himself but find what is his forever home? What will be his future? And so that's the kind of concept I was trying to play around with with, with that yeah. title. Yeah. And you have the two main characters, the brothers. One is... Um, yes, one is 16 years old. He's, his name is Ash. And his younger brother, his name is Amias or Ami. And he's nine um, at, the, at the beginning of the events. And... Um, so there's a bit of an age gap, um, but uh, I I think that that the the story is supposed to be about their relationship primarily, and um, so it's 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 a lot about their their relationship. So they do move they move through like this adventure, and it's a little bit of adventure. It's a little bit coming of age, but but always it comes back to what is their relationship and 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 what does that mean to have a relationship in this system? Um, they, they both live in different foster homes and and he runs away so that they can be together because he doesn't think they'll ever be together anyway. So, so that's, that's kind of the premise. Um, should I just go right into? Yeah, please, please read something. something. Okay. So this, this takes place pretty early on in, in the story. It's, um, from, it's from a chapter that's currently called uh, Visit. <clears throat> and it's actually taking place during a, a, a one of the mandatory visits that what we call DCF, but is different in this, in this there's a fictional version of that in, yep. in here, um, but um, like, a, like a children, families, or social service agency kind of thing where they set up visits with a biological parent um, with the kids in the foster system, mm-hmm. and so it takes place during that, and they're playing Candyland. If if another throwback to the <laughs> to the to my childhood, um, yeah. um, I love to play Candyland. So so these so these brothers and with their mom, 
um, are playing Candyland and they have they always have to have a social worker. So there's someone else here mm-hmm. that is watching them. Her name is Vicky. Um, so there's Amias and um, Ash with this social worker and their mom. <clears throat> Amias stood urgent. I have to pee like right now. Vicky looked up from her Sudoku. I pulled my chair forward as Amia sidestepped behind it. You want help, buddy? He stopped and looked at me incredulously. I'm nine, not two. He then shimmied to the door. Vicky moved her chair out of the way and opened the door for him. You remember where the bathroom is? Amia scooted out and called from the hallway. Yes. Vicky let the door start to close when we heard Amias again. It's locked. Vicky sighed and stood up, propped the door open with her chair, and walked down the hall. I looked at my hands in my lap as I listened to their voices. I really gotta go. I know, let's try it again. Some door handle jiggling then. Weird that it's locked. But I gotta go now. I heard feet shuffling on the carpet. I imagined Amia scuffing his sneakers as he hopped from one foot to the other, holding his crotch, the pee dance of a nine-year-old. Let's go to the men's room in the lobby, I heard Vicky say. A moment later, I saw Amia shoot past the door and then Vicky's head poke in. I'll walk him to the other bathroom. She left the room and then called back. Just be a minute. As they got farther away, I was left with the sounds of my mom's wheezing and my heart beating in my ears. I stayed as still as possible, willing Amias to pee quickly so he could return and relieve me of the burden of being my mom's focus. After spending so much of Amias's life shielding him from our mom's temper, he was now my buffer for these awkward conversations. My mom inhaled and then exhaled. So, how's school? I looked away and nearly didn't deign to answer. Almost done. She threw her arms open, grandiose. I know, almost a senior big shot. Junior. What? I rolled my eyes but turned my head at the last minute so she wouldn't see. I'm going to be a junior. I'm in 10th grade now. I'll be in 11th grade next year. Oh, I'm sorry, Ash. She reached her hand out to me and placed it on the table, a gesture of closeness without touch. I was glad she had the presence of mind not to reach any farther. I don't think I could have prevented myself from involuntarily flinching. I forgot what grade you were in. It's fine. I glanced at her outstretched hand before staring down at my own. No, it's not. She almost sounded sincere. We looked into each other's eyes for the first time in what felt like years. Her eyes were gaunt and sunken and pale, growing up when she surprised me with an ice cream sandwich or some trinket from a kid's meal at a fast food restaurant. She would pull my face toward hers and look into me with her eyes like chocolate and oak trees. But in that stifling cold room, so many years later, her eyes strained with the worn sepia of dirt parched and cracked, the beige of stripped branches broken on the ground. She brought her head low and matted her voice with a whisper. It's hard to have kids. You'll see one day. She looked up at the ceiling with shimmering eyes. If you're lucky. The space between us ballooned, pressing me against the wall. My breathing was so loud it sounded like I was gasping for air. Time stopped, but eons passed. Then she looked down inward and spoke so softly I could barely hear it. I should at least know my son's grade in high school. In her voice I could almost hear the mom I wanted, a mom from some other family. 
a family from some other life. That other mom would tell me that she was excited to see me grow up and get a girlfriend and drive a car and go to prom, but she would also tell me that she was sad to see me pull away to be with my friends, and she would ask to spend time with me, and she would give me advice about keeping up my grades and deciding if and where to go to college and remind me that I should find that what makes me happy and find my passion and that I could be whatever I wanted to be. And that other mom would say she was proud of me. And she would say she loved me. My mom looked at me again. I felt exposed, pressured to respond. I tried to swallow, but it was labored. My throat caught. I broke her gaze and stared back at my hands. She moved her hand from the table to her lap, her eyes still heavily resting on me, but she was withdrawing, her olive branch ungrasped. I wanted to tell her it was okay she forgot about my grade, but that it wasn't okay she wasn't a good mom. I wanted to hug her, but yell at her to leave. I wanted to be home with her and Ami, but I wanted to walk out of that room and never look back. Instead, I just sat, staring at my hands. That was beautiful. But now I have to put myself back on sound. That was beautiful. And uh, thank you for... Um, continuing to read even though there was someone singing a national anthem and someone also came in the room that was a bonus bonus for you Uh, it was beautiful um thank you i think one of the things that i've always gotten have have you been in the writers group now for two years or three years yeah two years um one of the things that you bring with your writing is um there's a couple other folks that do this too but i think yours Specifically, um, there's a lot of um, emotion in there. I think it's very real, but it's also um, so beautifully crafted. And um, I think you do such service to it when you read it yourself um, because it's it's just... Um, the relationship is, is touching and sad and sweet and insightful but also i think you bring it to life because you have right. good stage presence oh thank you <laughs> i did some community theater i was gonna say um, but but right so i know it's 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 hard because when 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 you're thinking about your own story, sometimes it comes out like a little movie in your mind and you know how they would react and you try to put some of the words in that describe to the reader, how are they acting? What's happening around them? How loud are they? Yes. Um, Are they saying it sarcastically or like all those things are really difficult to put in writing without sounding like you're writing some sort of fan fiction or something where like everyone cries all the time and you put exactly what, (laughs) exactly how they're speaking all the time and there's tons of adverbs and I don't like doing that t- so much so you tr- I try I to like you just describe Shonda Rhimes <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I just finished watching binge watching um how to get away with murder yes that's <laughs> exactly what it is yeah so so um when but thank you for saying that but then but then I have like this idea of what what they're doing how are they what are they? What are what are they saying, and how are they saying it? Um, but but you're right. It it does gives it does lend something to the experience when you are, when when it's when it's a reading, because you're hearing the author say it, as they intended it to be heard, even though 
it's a book. It's going to be a yes. book. It's not. A, it's not a play. It's not supposed to be heard. Like, but that's a skill unto itself because true. as you, as we've experienced, there's people who, um, who their their work is really lively or beautiful, or but they um, that that skill can't always translate for everybody. Mm-hmm. And like, I think I, I feel like I grapple with it. I feel like sometimes I. I've got it, and other times I'm. I feel like I. I'm conscious of my reading it. You know, I'm yes, not. I'm I know not, what you're. I know what you're saying. Yep. I'm not in the. I'm not at the time. I'm doing it. Re, I'm. I'm so con. So aware and almost hyper conscious of what I'm saying. I'm not like letting it breathe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking about there should be a pause here, or I want this to sound a little more sarcastic. Right. Yes, that's almost like when speaking of community theater. Some, sometimes it's it's a very awkward experience when you're standing up stage up on the stage and you don't know what to do with your hands. Yes. Maybe that's kind of that's the feeling I get a little bit too yes. when when I'm yes. reading it when you're just so conscious of like, the sound of my voice and the <laughs> yes. right and the inflections that you use and that didn't seem natural or like that. You that do a really thing, good yeah. job of dropping down into that. Mm. Um, and everybody's like, I know that I always look forward to when you read some of your work. I'm like, Julian's going <laughs> to read tonight. <laughs> like oh, the thanks. piece that you read about, um, I think it was, was it a poem? It was a short, it was a short piece, but it was about being, um, having had a, 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 a stint in drag. Oh, yes. Yes. That was um, like, we were all like, and you, did you sing Judy Garland? Yes, I did. Oh my God. We were all like, what? Yes. No, actually, it's, it's, yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anyone else sing on the Malden Writers Collaborative. No. Um, We should have more singers. Absolutely. Um, And we could do a song, um, song through Zoom. That was awesome. um, (laughs) Thank you. That was awesome. You. You had us. You had us. It was good. Was it a poem? I don't remember. It was a short. Oh, was it, a it short? was like a short. It was a short. Yeah. Um, fiction, prose. Have you found your writing has changed since you've been part of the group? Oh, I never thought about that. Yes, I, I think it has. Um, how so? I think I, I've become better at positively reviewing my own writing when before I joined the Maldern Writers Collaborative which is a really great group with really great feedback really great people that that are really real yes Yes. and 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 there's you know there's moments where where we're giving each other positive feedback and things that worked right and then and then the constructive feedback where things maybe maybe could be improved or didn't quite work or um, sometimes it's it's objective and sometimes it's subjective and some of the subjective things I totally agree with and and I think before joining this group though I I didn't always look at my writing to find the things that worked I think I usually looked at my own writing to critique it which it makes sense to me because you're trying to improve it. You're trying to look, oh, this this doesn't make sense. I should add something about their feelings here and about the about the um, atmosphere here and and this isn't spelled right and I used the wrong word and um, those those kinds of things you want to look for. But it's important, I think, that you're you're understanding what 
what you did right in a story because then it will help you lead on in the rest of the story. It'll like, like with story theory, you want to make sure that you hit the right beats and you say things in the right way and you use the right language. Um, you, d you don't want to sound like a professor if you're speaking for a nine-year-old boy, for example. Yep. Yep. Um, and so you want to catch the things when you do it right, because then you can replicate that and you can build your character and you can build your story in that way um, yeah. off, off those things that you did that were positive. And so I think after I've, I've joined this group, it's, it's been, I've been better about looking at both sides, not just the critiques. The thing that I like about the group as well is <clears throat> people come with different perspectives and they'll see something in your work that you didn't realize was there because, um, yes, I'm part of, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on a, um, certification, a coach certification. And part of that is having so many hours of mentor coaching. So a friend of mine has been mentor coaching me and we talked a lot about how I approach things very intuitively. And it doesn't mean I don't have theory or language or practice behind it, but sometimes I have a hard time explaining it mm -hmm. yeah, um, totally. or justifying it. And I think I perhaps do that with my writing, like I'm, I'm following a theme and I'm not always conscious of it, but bringing work to the group and having people workshop it is helpful to see where your patterns are, or like you're saying, see Absolutely. where your positives are. Yeah. And then also knowing that um, I, I have blind spots, I fall into like a habit, or there's a laziness somewhere, or I, um, I repeat words, or whatever it is that yes. you may or may not see at the time. Right. And you're, it also helps, I think it helps my editing skills as well. Definitely. That's a huge skill. That's a totally yeah. separate skill <laughs> that I also need to build um, a little bit more um, is, is editing, editing my own writing. But um, I do it a lot at work, actually, as an attorney. I will, I will edit people's stuff. But yes. legal writing isn't always the same as fiction. Yes, yes. Yes, but still, editing is very important. I think the, um, it's, a, it's such a helpful... Um, practice to get into and then seeing what other people's writing practices are and also seeing there's some folks that are super um, productive in our group that are just always coming up with new stuff and yes and sometimes I I do that awful thing where I compare and I think oh I'm not I, I'm not as prolific but <laughs> but I think it's okay because like you know maybe I have a rhythm right. as well and yeah and then you learn to sort of appreciate like the self-comparison or the comparison to other people is not Definitely. fair. It's not fair. It's not fair, right? You're not being to fair you to yourself. Them. Yeah, to you or <laughs> yes, them. Yes, right. right. One of the questions I do like that's on the worksheet is like, what could you incorporate from your rating from what you've learned in this person? I've, I'm paraphrasing. What could you incorporate that this author did right. well? And um, I love that question because I'm like, oh, I really like the way you did dialogue or right. I like that you, um, you're very good with atmosphere or tone or I love that theory yes. of story art, story theory. Um, and I think that's a really, that also helps, uh, helps uh, your work, uh, has helped my work bloom a little more rather than it just be a certain Thing. Yeah, um, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I also I do that sort of for myself as I'm reading, 
at like actual public books. Yes. Um, but but you're right in that workshop setting, you're taking it with a, a, a more focused eye on that point and you're not you're not you're reading it for pleasure maybe once right. and then you read through their their sub, submitted piece to right. actually help them right. but then in doing so you're you're being you're being very you're like hyper focusing on things and then you can and sort of pull that out I like how they did this and I like how they did that yes. I could do those things maybe yes yeah but but I also do that in right in reading too I I, I I actually don't like when I do this when I read as a writer. Um, it's it's sort of like the experience some people have said where like I'm a doctor and I watch this medical show and nothing is right <laughs> and I'm an attorney and I I don't go to court myself but a lot of the stuff that they do it's like that's not that they would never let that into evidence like <laughs> that person's just yelling things out stop that person object to this uh, even I know that um, so so but but it's sort of like that feeling. When yes. I'm reading as a writer, I'm like, right. wow, this is really good, or wow, I would never, I would never right. write this way. This is terrible. Like, um, so, read... so I try to pull some of those things and say, like, I would never do that, yes. so I don't do that. Or I, this is really cool how they did this, and I'm going to do that. When um, you read for pleasure, what are you reading? I um, am. I, I just finished. A, a heavy round of reading. Um, so I go through like phases where I, I read a lot and then I yes. don't read very yeah, much. I do that too. Yeah. Um, um, so let's see, what am I right now? I'm reading, um, cities of the plain, which is a book by Cormac McCarthy. Oh gosh. Who is one of my favorite authors, but he's not dark at all. He's not dark at all, but I really like, he's like, some he can get like really good points about fundamental human experience across mm-hmm. through these like terrifying stories yes. of these gruesome I, I experiences. I haven't gone back since I read The Road. I haven't. I oh, haven't The Road is back. wonderful. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. There's I'm this so one point depressed. in The Road. It happened in the movie. Um, it's my favorite part, and it's when it's so it's this father and son, and they're like post apocalyptic. And they all all that they have all they have is each other, and toward the end. Um, the dad's like going to go away again and the son's like no don't do it i don't want you to go and he's like well yes we have to go we need more food or whatever it was and and you don't have to i know i know what it's like you don't have to worry about everything and he like mum, the son mumbles and the dad goes what and he goes yes i do he screams it oh it's so powerful mm. like just that yes i do i'm the one that has to worry about everything because he's the kid is um, that when they're in like the fallout shelter and he knows he has to go out for something? Honestly, I can't remember. <laughs> I think that might be it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that scene. Uh, yeah. And the thing that I found really powerful was the just using is it father and son? Mm-hmm. It then but no name. Right. They don't have a they don't yes. have a name. Yes. Right. Did somebody write am I I'm am, am I imagining, but did somebody write something like that in one of our seasons where they didn't have names they just were father and son or maybe you know what i'm not sure though i can't, i really can't remember that does sound familiar it's kind of powerful because it, it makes it a it makes it more more generalized in yes. a way so it's not necessarily about an individual character it's, it's about us mythic. it's about people yes. it's about humanity or society yeah. or something it's definitely takes it into like the myth realm myth, or, yeah totally yeah. yes um but so cities of the plains not as dark and gruesome it's <laughs> it's the third actually in what they call the the border series okay. i think that's what's called the border trilogy or something something to that effect um and the first first book in that series is all the pretty horses which yes. was a movie yeah um 
and the second one is called The Crossing, which is actually about two brothers who go on a who who go on an adventure, oh, which was somewhat influential in in mm-hmm. my in my writing. Totally different story. They're like trying to bring a wolf somewhere, and then they go into Mexico, and then they go back, and then mm-hmm. they go back to Mexico again, and they lose the horses. Bad stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, in any case, um, and then the third one is Cities of the Plains, and they bring the two main characters from each each of those stories, all the pretty horses and the crossing together. Okay. And I'm not sure what it's about yet because I haven't caught very far into it. All right. Um, but I did just finish a few other ones. A really interesting book I read was A Gentleman in Moscow. Um, my sister-in-law actually got it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, she's a librarian, so she knows uh, what she's talking about. I love librarians. <laughs> love librarians. When I love when they recommend books. I have a bunch of friends in my circle who are librarians. Yeah. Um, I forget what she said to me when she got it. She's like, nothing really happens in this, but it's a really good book. I'm like, what does that, what's that supposed to mean? It sounds terrible. Yes. But I read it, and it's about this, it's fi- it's a fiction story, but it's about this guy who, uh, who is, is like some, um, some like affluent um not royalty, but but upper echelon mm-hmm. nobles. Um, right before, um, right before communism started in like 1917, 1918, and and then they didn't know what to do with him, so they just put him in this hotel, and they wouldn't let him leave, and he lived in that hotel for the whole rest of his life, um, and he ended up like getting a daughter through a series of events, wasn't biologically related. Um, but these things happen, like he becomes friends with these people. He starts working as, uh, as a waiter, um, in one of the restaurants in the hotel and it, not a lot of stuff happens, yeah. but it's really good. Yeah, so yeah, my yeah. sister-in-law was <clears throat> accurate in saying that, but, but, um, but it, it's just beautifully written. It's, uh, Amor Towles is, is the author. I know he's written some other things okay. too, but, but, um, I, I would recommend it. I That's like really that. <clears throat> I read both. I, re- I read books. Do you read books simultaneously or do you just plow through? I, I read books simultaneously. Yes. So. Um, I, I, I switch the genres, though. So, like, I never read, like, a, like a fiction story and then another fiction story. Yep. I always have, like, um, I read about writing, as you know, yep. as we talked about before. And so I have, like, a like a writing book out. or And then I have, like, um, um, books about child rearing and parenting and stuff so I'll, I'll have one of those going and then yeah. I'll have like my my for pleasure book which is yeah. usually fiction but sometimes nonfiction um, biography or something yeah I'm reading um, um, crazy brave who's which is the autobiography of um, joy Harjo who's the Nobel poet laureate and her book um, American Sunrise is going to be the next selection for um, Malden Reads. Oh, cool. Um, but her autobiography is amazing. It's very short, um, but she writes it like she is telling an oral history. Mm-hmm. And um, what's third person? When you ex- oh, express like, third person, what's that? Oh, geez. Is that um, you're talking you about that? yourself? About someone else. Like, okay. like so if you're, you're talking First person about, is me. Yep. Second person is... You. She's Third talking about she or she. She's second right. person. Okay. So she writes about it like before she was born, what her parents were doing, and she was watching them do it. Mm-hmm. And then as she's born, the things she's bringing up through her ancestors and what was happening with the different tribe that her father belonged to and what her mother was going through. And then um, it's really amazing. It's, a, it's quite the journey. Um, 
I, I've last book that I finished. I don't. It's they're not necessarily connected, but I um, I read um, the Night Watchman, which was Louise Erdick's Erdick's last book. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a Native American author as well. Nice. And then I'm reading a book called The Art of Swimming because I started swimming again, and it's um, applying what is called the Alexander Technique. So it's all about body. Um, head over shoulders, shoulders over torso, and then. Okay. Ha- I never then, heard this. And then, so Alexander technique is is has a lot to do with like um, repositioning your body. So you're using your correct body mechanics on land. And then this okay. guy studied this technique and then created what was called the Shaw technique for swimming. So it's a lot about how. We are buoyant in the water and sinking breath with movement and taking conscious movement in the water versus like a lot of people go and they swim and they flail. And uh, (laughs) you're not actually using correct body mechanics and or it's not uh, it's not um, you're not really you're not doing yourself a service by going and flailing in the water. Oh, right. That's not as good as a... That's uh, not really swimming. <laughs> it's like That's, flailing. It's like or, flailing. Um, sort of uh, the getting used to using the glide. There's a lot of gliding in swimming. Interesting. Okay. And um, how it's hard actually to be like this in the water, which mm-hmm. is horizontal. Mm-hmm. You're actually always a little like this. Your feet so you, down, or yeah, a little bit. Interesting. And then if you're bringing your feet up, um, then what are you doing with your arms? So there's like techniques that you learn for dry land, and then walking in the shallow end, and then actually strokes. And then the most advanced is like when you learn how to do the butterfly, which is like a, it's um, what's this movement called that I'm doing with my hand? It's like a, <laughs> a wave like thing. Yeah, like a yeah. wave, yeah. like how you would be a full a wave in wave, water, a wave in water. Yes. And that, you know, temperature of the pool makes a difference. Uh, the cooler the water, the more tense your muscles are. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. It's, it's a little sciency and a little, um, like more modern medicine kind of like, you know, being right. conscious during movement. Yeah. Um, I, I like that stuff. I like, um, like, like mindfulness and yes. And being, being aware of your body and being aware of, um, like the mind body connection. Yes. Kind of yeah. yeah. And that, that's some stuff that I've studied before, but I'm also, mm. I like the idea of reminding myself of that stuff because, um, I had back surgery. It was a year in March um, this, uh, a year ago in March of this year. So it was in 2020. Um, and it just, my body mechanics were off for so long and then they ar- aggravated a back issue, a head surgery, right. but then I was recovering from that. And I just felt like I have, um, I always get the word wrong, but it's like pryopsy. So you don't, you have, uh, have, parts of one leg that don't have certain sensation to it. So I don't always know where I am and what I'm doing based on that leg. I see. So. Oh yeah, that must be weird then. It's a, you have to like get used to that new, I guess, non-feeling. Yes. And you (laughs) don't know you have, it's like having blind spots. Like you don't know you have that blind spot. So it's trying to reconnect in a more central way with like, in the water you have buoyancy so you have you can be more purposeful sometimes with mm-hmm. your emotion 
um, like sometimes I wear flippers and like that's getting a full um, extension contraction rotation with an ankle. That's cool. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not a very good swimmer, so uh, I'm, I used I to be a very good swimmer, kind of, but it's yes. a it's a way of, um, especially on dry land where sometimes I feel like I'm like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> flopping that, around. yeah, flopping around. Yeah. It's easier in in um, the pool to be a little more conscious about what you're doing. So right, yeah, and being conscious about what you're doing can apply to anything, right? So, Absolutely, writing, yes. speaking. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Um, yes. Sitting. I'm slouching right now, but I, I, I should sit up straight. My four-year-old has very good posture. Really? Yeah. She just sits straight. Just straight Is she up. dancing? Is she like a dancer? She loves to dance. We're yeah. trying to get her in a dance class and gymnastics and swimming lessons. There's a lot to do. <laughs> a lot to do. What does, uh, what has your family been doing during COVID? How have, how have, has everybody been faring? Um, well, I think they've been well. Um, it was tough with, with um, school. That that was the hardest thing um, for us, having to work from both of us work, my spouse and I, and then also having someone in school. And before the daycare preschool opened back up, it was also a three, then on to four year old who was just like bored. What is she gonna do? She wants our attention and. And it was it was so it was it was challenging to try to have a, a normal work experience or a normal school experience and then have all of that just all together. So there were some points where we were all just at the kitchen table together doing our own thing on our computers and the four year old like playing something or coloring on the table or the walls or something that we had to stop or um, to to say no you can't do that. Yeah. Um, that that was the most challenging thing. But but luckily we've been we've been pretty. Um, pretty fortunate, I think. I mean, we have a we have a single family house in a backyard, and yep. so we've we've had to we've had times where we could just say, okay, go out in the backyard, go play, do yep. something. So we weren't ever like trapped in one room, and that was it. But but it it was a little cabin feverish sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Like even though we felt lucky about our living situation and the fact that we have a backyard and mm-hmm. we have really great neighbors and. We've also, it's like I've been trying to give us, give us like a pass. Like we've gotten on each other's nerves. I've over tried to overmanage our. Like I was like, oh, I should redo the bathroom and (laughs) (laughs) you know, like take on too many projects. And and when you have two people in that space, one's working, one is managing projects right yeah it's a lot it is a lot lot. you definitely have to it was definitely giving giving other people a pass and giving yourself a pass absolutely for sure yeah there was a lot of uh laxening of of our family rules so that we wouldn't all go go crazy or get on each other's nerves yeah what do you say how do you think that that uh covid and lockdown has changed your sense of community or neighbors or how important having like yeah, outside your nucleus. R- yeah, connections. I mean, really important. Um, I mean, my my son's a good example. Who's who has a, a, a he's very social. Both the kids are, and and we are too. And he wasn't getting what he needed from uh, online classes. They didn't. I don't even think they really counted. Like he could see some of his classmates sometime 
in the camera, but they don't, they didn't really get a lot of opportunity to really interact and he needed that social interaction. Yeah. And we have some really great neighbors too. And, and, um, when things started to not be so scary, um, we would all go out in mass and hang out and we would try to keep our distance, but we could see each other and be near each other yeah. outside. And, um, that, that, that added so much value and, and it was so beneficial for our like psyche and our, our ability to yeah. stay, sane um and and that put a new perspective for me on on what it means to have personal relationships and it really is yes i mean like i've heard like it's it's everything's local politics are local yes. um and, you know like like it's very very local focused but i think a lot of that isn't always practiced in in the same way like take uh, we don't have to talk about a lot about politics but as right. politics as an example right people care about the presidential election, but not really local election, but there is a lot of stuff that happens on, yes. on the local level. Um, that That's really important to kind of key in on, and I, I'm guilty of it too, uh, that that same kind of feeling. But but I think that that the pandemic has, has opened a, a greater perspective on, for, for me on, on what it means to have an interpersonal relationship that is local that is yes physical in the in the in the way that we are physically together yes like in the same room talking um um down the street we can take a walk together yeah Um, like that that kind of like being together it's not the same as as seeing you on a screen absolutely i think in understanding what you get from your different different communities within geographic area too like knowing who your neighbors are even if you don't know their names but to know them to say hi right and know like so and so hasn't been out of their house in a while like are they okay or um you know knowing folks next door are revamping something and like just having a little window into their lives or that they have an older parent that lives with them or you know my neighbor behind me has two small children and we talk in the yard and right. the kids get a kick out of my dog and um yeah i like that i've i've noticed that it, that the experience of connecting with neighbors or being more engaged with neighbors has has increased since i've had the kids around yes there are a lot of families around me yes. and then and but 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 it happened before that i think um i was I, I, I was in like thinking about you know coming to talk talk with you um i was trying to think like why why did that happen um maybe maybe because i'm getting you know older and i'm not a a teen or a 20 something mm-hmm. anymore maybe that's it or maybe because um we're in a different stage in our lives or something mm-hmm. or maybe because i own my house so i feel more grounded like connected yes. like this is this is my space now and i'm gonna have it for the foreseeable future and yeah. so maybe i should start learning about the people around me or or maybe it's because i i like the neighbors better i, I mean that could be it yeah. too i really have great some great neighbors um malden's been been good to me in that in that way i think um Malden is really interesting for me because I've been able to connect in with some of the local groups, community groups, you know, uh, recording a podcast here. I right. was on the board here for a while as well at UMA, um, uh, you know, starting some um, being on the steering committee now for Malden Reads, mm-hmm. which is a new thing for me. 
Um, and then just knowing different faces of local arts groups, folks, or connect, making connections that way. Did you go to any of the Malden festivals, the music festivals down here? Um, not this. No, I didn't. Um, I did go to the, like ward our, 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 you know, Malden's yes. like in different wards. I'm yes. in Ward Five, um, and and I I did go to some of their like the summer stuff. Actually, there's one this Saturday too. Yeah. Um, Who's your counselor? Um, Barbara Murphy. Okay. Yeah. Is she is someone running against her? This year, yes, okay. there is. Yes, um, but but I do like how we we have had like the like there was a Fourth of July thing. It was right at my yeah. son's school actually yeah. in, in our in in our ward, and and we had that again this year. And we had another event. Um, we actually do a lot of this a, a lot of the things that that my kids would like. Yeah, because um, it's a great way to get out, and, and we see some people from his school that we don't always yeah. see. Or knowing who's running for yeah. school committee, right, or exactly. who's going to be a city councilor at large, or. You know, there's there's That's updates right. on the we live right off of the bike path. So there's been updates around the bike path and like right. knowing those changes and seeing sort of um, Malden culturally from a lot of different perspectives. But they have a, sure. a fairly decent arts community and things going on with the river. I've, I've gone down a couple of times to some of the events along the river. They really want to establish that waterfront and right. like have kayaking, canoeing, and a walking space. Yeah, my spouse was talking about that too. Yeah, he he was he's been involved in some of the, like like the more um, zoning and planning. Yeah, is he a lawyer as well? Um, architect. Architect. Yes. So. Um, you guys uh, really are the upward mobile couple. Yeah. But but yeah, so he so he has that that sort of background and interest. But but he's 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 more on top of the the more like what's happening in the community as far as like um like the like the different boards or those like the zoning stuff and the mm -hmm. and the what are the new buildings coming in? There's something going on with that host the hosp the Malden yes. Hospital, right? Oh, um, that's which is also on the on yes. the river. So, um, yeah. It's yeah. it's interesting though because that that idea of community for me, depending upon who I'm talking to, um, we can think really small, we can mm -hmm. think micro, or we can think macro, or we can think like personal identifiers as well. And I think it's sh it definitely for me has shifted with age. I think sure. you know, I, I connect with that when you said that, right. but um, I feel like it's also expanded. Like for me, expanded like what your idea of of connection and community is. Yes, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like maybe that is some maturity with age, and right. and less like, you know, this idea that like in New England we're all kind of cranky and like if your neighbor says hello, you're like, what do they want? Yeah. <laughs> Suspicious. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that too. Yeah. Or like, who's parking in front of my house? Right, who's that guy? <laughs> this reminds my my grandmother. My dad's mom was very nosy for her neighborhood. She'd tell me all the happenings. <laughs> my mother was like, be like, the neighbors parked in front of the house again. I'm like, it's a public street. Like, yeah. Or she'd be like, I know somebody's selling drugs. <laughs> like, mom, that's great. I don't think so. But, but well, yeah. Um, but yeah. So I. Uh, yeah, I get that though. Where there are definitely different types of different ways to think about community, and um, you know, I, I, 
some some of it comes to like I like you were saying like identity and, yep. and different ways to 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 think about yourself and how you fit in where you fit in. Yep. Um, so I guess like at the broadest level, that's kind of what it is, and you can kind of write micro macro. It's yeah. your family. How do you it's think that friends, shows up your, in your writing? Um, oh, I I think that most stories are about characters, but some are, you know, very plot heavy. And, and, um, I, I, I like to think, I think it's true, but I like to think that I, but that I'm more character driven. Like I'm a character writer and I'm the characters drive the story. It's more about what are they thinking and feeling and doing than about like, what are the things happening around them? Yeah. And, um, and I not think everybody's good about that internal story though. You're tr- very yeah, good tr- about oh, the, like expressing the internal world. There's definitely right. There's, there's only an internal world. The whole world is in my head right now. It's, it's, it's my brain interpreting all the external stimuli, yeah. physical sciencey. But, but, but I, but I do think that. And so it's like, you're only, you're only experiencing everything through yourself and that's, mm-hmm. and that's it. And so when you're reading a story about really character driven story, you're, you're getting this, life this these things that happen through mm-hmm. a viewpoint and um and um i think that idea of community and and that connection thing comes through my writing in that in that way that these are really character focused and it's about relationships and mm-hmm. and the story i'm writing is 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 really like hyper focused on a relationship a connection between two people mm-hmm. and how they're interacting with the things that are happening around them and the other people that they meet but I I like that that very personal relationship. Brothers, I have a brother. I have a younger brother. Mm-hmm. He's not seven years younger than me, but but he but he's younger than me. And um, we grew up and we were very close. And so I know that bond is is really can be really strong. And I wanted I've wanted to write about that that bond for mm-hmm. a while. And and I like that sense of that that sense of community. Actually, is something that these these boys don't have. Yeah in the way that a lot of other people have it. Yep. They're in foster homes. They're yes. placed there, not yeah. because they grew up there, but because the state is telling them this is where you will live because this, yes. these are people who can take care of you. Yes. And he doesn't have bad relationships with the people, but he has a bad relationship with the things that are happening to him. Yes. And he wants to escape that and make it his own. That's what the Finding Forever yeah. is about. It's sort of like finding your forever home. Yep. And... It's finding their own community, and so it really does connect with that, yeah. that like that theme, and um, and I've and I've tried to bring that sense of like how how it how it is very important to be grounded and and not having that grounding, yeah. it, to be floating around, to not have that significant portion of your experience, something that makes you you. Yeah. You don't if you don't have that what what do you have you have to like find that for yourself and there's like found family stories I love those. Yes. Like where 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 you find people that you meet that are like you that think the same as you or that that you really get along with even if you don't if they don't think the same as you but you but you have right. personalities that kind of match in that way and 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 that sense of community can be something that you that you make for yourself. Yeah. And that's kind of what kind of what I think community is you have to make it for yourself. Yes. You have to engage with it. It doesn't just happen to you. Yeah, sometimes family of origin is tough too because family of origin um, uh, you can build and understand great, you know, great relationships, supportive relationships. And other times, it, it's not it's not the place for that. It's right. it they it's broken, 
And if the it's broken, then you get put in like a foster system, or you have to find, like you said, you have to find those connections for yourself. Right. And it doesn't it doesn't mean that you can't build them. It's just um, sometimes it's more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, there's probably you probably have really great insights from your experience um, with the foster system. But what do you think people could do to help kids in that situation? Like what if, what right. are some of the things that you've learned with your kids? Right. Um, there are definitely things that, that I've, that I've experienced that have, that have shown me where that, that where you come from, whatever that means, family, place, something else is, is really important and part of you forever. And, um, I've, I've learned that there are ways that people experience the world that are, that are from, that are based on their, their previous, uh, where they come from, their, their previous understanding of, of themselves. That's, that's, that's kind of like what they build on. And when, you have a little bit of that, like like my 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 kids have some memories, and um, and that's kind of led into some of the challenges that we've had. But it's also been been a good thing, and and we've and we support those connections. Yeah. And um, but I think that the the some of the best things you can do is really appreciate and and be sensitive to the past that they come from you kind of got to meet them wherever they are yeah and it's not about it's not about giving them something that's better it's about making sure they're safe and and making sure what they have is good yeah um and giving them all you can but it's not better or worse it's just that is that is what you can give them it's the state's job they're the guardian they're placing them with you because they think they're going to be good in your home right you have to be that meet them where they are what they're thinking where they come from the the stories they have to tell you yeah. and yes. the challenges they have faced and the reasons why they are in your home. And I, I've been fortunate that my kids have been, had really great and understanding teachers and we've, we've been able to actually educate the teachers. Um, like there, there were things about like, um, um, like bringing a baby picture. I don't have a baby picture of my son. I, yeah. I, so I, the, I have one that was sent to me from his previous foster family. And so I used that. It wasn't a baby picture, but it was a younger picture. Yeah. So we used that. But but it was educating the teacher. It was like, here's, here's where he is. Right. And um, I, just be sensitive to that in, in the classroom setting. You know, the kids yes. were totally fine with it. Um, th- they know that he has two dads. I mean, like, it's not a thing yeah. um, because it's, that's how it is. Right. And, but, but understanding that that's where he comes from and then trying to um, just have other people kind of allow him to have that space yeah. to be who he is and come from where he, where he came from. I think that's also what we do in writing is, um, or people who write, like, uh, I know yours is fiction, but it's it has a lot of nonfiction elements to it. Sure, or yeah. people who write memoir or, or nonfiction like I do. You really are trying to understand. <laughs> it's not, 
I swear to God, I've recorded here a bunch of times. It's not, it's, it, yeah, you don't usually get guest appearances by the folks. There's a guest appearance. <laughs> yeah, because I haven't until 6.45. So. <laughs> well, you know. And guest appearance. Um, but this idea that um, you're grappling with where you came from, those stories, trying to understand things. And also, sometimes what I've been doing is writing from a feeling of what I had at the time right. and then, and then sometimes trying to show an evolution, but also capturing like, this is the frustration. This is the memory. This was the good part. This was the hard part. Totally. And, um, it's a, it's important to not negate it and not um, make it something different, but understanding sort of, uh, where you came from, what you were feeling at the time. Um, the the benefits of that and also perhaps some of the hard stuff from that yeah definitely yes i like that i like that kind of concept you 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 had said about writing from a feeling yes Um, because a lot of a lot of memories like it's really like the brain is a little more science terrible at remembering things but but i think it's much easier to remember this is how i felt about something and then you have like vague recollections of specific events or this is how I feel about this person, but you have vague, you only have vague recollections of the things you did together or why you feel that way, but yes. you remember the feeling so powerfully. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I, I try, I definitely try to put some of the feelings. There's this point where there's a, it's called a, a, a review, a foster care review. Those things really happen in real life. And it's to make sure that the kids are getting what they need, yep. which is super good. But a lot of the times they're like the, um, there's a whole bunch of different people in the room and I've experienced it. I've gone to some of these things and, um, they're not negative, but they're, they're, they can definitely be charged. Like someone's trying to grandstand a little or, or make it, make something out to be better than they were because, you know, there's, there's biological parents and, and what they're doing to try to meet their goals, to try to get the kids. And then there's the foster parents. These are what I'm trying to do. Um, and then there's like, there's the, the state they're talking about what they do, um, and what the kids need, what medications there are, what kind of activities they do and, and making sure that they, they're getting what they need. And, and thankfully in my experience, they haven't been, there, there has been no animosity, but there have definitely been some feelings of anxiety in me. And so yes. I remember those yeah. super anxious like feelings and like wanting to like, that's not, that's not what, that's not what he's like, or that's, that's like, yeah. I just want to like yell out and say like, this is the, the, um, this, this is how it is. This is how it should be for them. And, right. and you can't. Yeah. Um, and so you're so restrained and you feel put into this little box and, um, so I've had those feelings in this real situation, and I've actually written a, st- a, a part of the story when you're a certain age, and you're a ki- when you're a kid in the foster system of a certain age. Like when you get old enough, you can actually go to these things. And so there's this one scene in there where he, where where the main character Ash goes to this thing, and I tried to write from this memory of a feeling that I had. Yes. And so that's why I really like connected with that what what you had said cuz none of the things that happened in that scene really happened to me in real life. Yeah. But it was def- it was like what would have happened if I displayed the kind of anxiety yes. and frustration that I felt in those moments this person did in my story. Yeah. So you, so when you write from those feelings you can you can really get some some real raw stuff. Right. Yeah. I like that. 
And that's probably why you like Cormac McCarthy. Just yes. Very, <laughs> it's very uh, emotional and tonal and very... Dramatic is the wrong word, but... Yeah, I, I, I particularly like his his writing style. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's has a, a, it's like a, a very saga. good manipulation. It, it's a saga. I think of it as saga writing. Um, in what way? It's usually like um like epic hero. Yes, I see what you mean. Yeah. And the trials and tribulations. Yeah, I yeah. So some of some of what I've read from him, especially like this this set of books I'm reading now, the the Porter trilogy. Um, he's he focuses on on characters as characters, but a lot of his focus is seems to be on like the human experience mm-hmm. and so he's sort of like translating things to a, a like this is this is challenging for humanity kind of thing and mm-hmm. so so the stuff that people experience they're almost like like father and son like we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier where they're just representative um and so I, th- I think he gets into that really well and the the words he uses and the way he puts words together i think is really beautiful even when it's gruesome stuff it's just yes. still really beautiful yeah i agree with that too one of the books i just got out of the library is um now i can't remember it but it's um she wrote the namesake she just wrote a new book, and I always get her name wrong. She's an Indian author. She's American, but she's of Indian descent. Yeah, I don't. Oh, I have to look it up now. Yeah, you should look it up. I always do these things where I'm like, hey, I gotta tell you about this thing. thing. Oh, I'm not Can't remembering it. it at all. <laughs> um, in the meantime, let me read you one of <laughs> one of the quotes that I like from Cormac McCarthy. Actually, this is from a super gruesome story called called Blood Meridian. But this is this is Cormac McCarthy, not me, writing this. Um, um, actually, I, I think this is sort of like this is like the sum of everything. Um, it, it goes: the universe is no narrow thing, and the order within it is not constrained by any latitude in its conception to repeat what exists in one part in any other part. Even in this world, more things exist without our knowledge than with it, and the order in creation which you see. Is that what you have put there, like a string in a maze, so that you shall not lose your way? Perfect. Actually, that's that's where we should end right there, because that was gorgeous. And that also is about connection, I think. It's def- definitely about connection, where, I mean, that's that's like the, the fundamental nature of people, is everything exists, but it doesn't mean anything unless you give it meaning. Yeah, and for me, it's all been like concentric circles and like the Venn diagram Mm. and where folks overlap in my life and then the thread giving this. I I didn't want to necessarily give the season a theme, but I liked that it opened up when I gave it a theme. And then I could also see, you know, previous guests connecting work and ideas with current guests and some of the things that you and I just talked about. And that quote, which is beautiful, is really about conversation, connection, community, and how you tie those things together, but also how we make that meaning ourselves. Right. Right. I agree. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for coming. It was fun playing podcast with you, and it was nice to see you in person. Nice to see you in person. Yes. Very fun. Thanks for having me. Do you have, um, do you promote your stuff online at all, or do you have anyone that you want? 
you want to shout out at following you and are you an Instagram person oh, or a Facebook I'm, person? I haven't gone on social you media in forever. I'm terrible, I know. You don't do any of that. No. Oh, don't. that's good Good for you. Yeah. It's, a, <laughs> good it's, it's anxiety producing sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's I, true. I literally had to hire someone to do it for me because it was too, Yeah. I was like overwhelmed by it. Yeah. And I love what she does. It's very sweet, and it's within the tone and voice of what I would put out there. Nice. But it, I just pay her, and she does it. It's fabulous. Nice. Yeah. So if you ever, you know, when you publish a book, if you need someone. Yes, thank you. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> quite there yet. Maybe one day. Um, yeah. But You should totally do it. Yeah. Anything else in final wrapping up that you'd like to say? Oh, final thoughts. I'm, you, I'm not a big final thought person. <laughs> you have such a good radio voice. Have you ever done radio before? Um, Why, well, no, I haven't. <laughs> but thank you for that. Is it? Do you, should I do deeper or, or higher pitch? No, I liked it when you sang Judy, so. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Somewhere. Oh, where are the other things? Oh, it's so good. This, no, this one, um, there, I saw this guy do a bunch of different, like, famous usually diva kind of actresses mm -hmm. and he would he would pretend he would do drag and all these different all these different ones and in the story that he I, I just stole it completely from this guy he was hysterical but he had this giant gift like a present it was a box and he brought it out with him on stage when he was pretending to be Judy Garland and he came out as Judy and he did he did a whole bit and then he like opened up the present and pulled out this massive martini glass filled with <laughs> what I assume is water but I suppose it could be something else but he and then he just sips it and then by the end he's drunk the whole thing Oh, and he he like called out people in the audience as as like if someone sort of looked like a famous like an older famous actor or actress he would he would call them out and say oh happy birthday like uh, I don't know happy happy birthday Bing Crosby like like I don't know who who, who would say but it was it. it was hysterical anyway so that's what that is from I love that um, but I did used to sing long long time ago I sing every day but. I used yes. to sing publicly a long time ago. <laughs> um, and so that was the first time I sang in a while. Oh, it was great. Thank yeah, you. you should come back and read that one because that was great. I remember we were all like, where did this come from? <laughs> this is awesome. The, the other one I liked that, that, that I did was the... That was a COVID thing. And it was actually, it was it was about this older woman who's, whose husband was in the hospital. Didn't, were you, maybe you weren't there for that one. Um, and she could see him through the glass, through the window. Oh yeah. And it was just one long sentence. It was like 500 words, just one sentence. I remember the one where you, <clears throat> you had somebody looking out the kitchen window at something in the streetlight. Oh yes, that was, was a that scary super, one. Yeah, that was, was scary. a scary one. Yeah. That was one when everyone <laughs> had submitted something scary. Yes. And we we're all like, we had like a scary. We thing creeped each other like, out. Yeah, was that was really, a scary night. It was good though. It was good. That's a good group. It's a good group. And a community. Even a community. It, a local, is, a it community. is a local community it thing. Is a local you community. could do you could totally do that thing online. We do it on we do it by Zoom anyway. You could find yeah. people around the world. But it's really great that we actually all live like around here. I know. Yeah. I think that's amazing. And the fact that the library offers it and supports mm -hmm. it. And uh, you know, Chris and I have been talking, but we'd really like to be able to put out a chat book or a publication. Yeah, and I totally. think the library would support it. I think they would be totally behind it. Yeah. I think we could write a grant for it. I think we could submit, you know, a pub, um, RFP for a grant. We could get some grant money and, and you know, select 
select some of the authors and you know right. give us everyone gets whatever five pages ten pages or something and um, i think that's super cool yeah and i'm looking forward to seeing our youtube video when it comes out yes oh yes so. that's right yes with the library that we did yeah. uh, a reading yes yeah. that's right i wasn't as smooth as i wanted to be but everybody's critical after with after the fact yeah you know <laughs> Just assume that some of what you think about yourself is true, but not all of what you think about yourself. Perfect. It probably wasn't wasn't as bad as yes, you think it was. I know. I thought you were good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I was. I was. I was. <clears throat> I had run through a couple of times, and I knew sort of where I wanted to right. put my inflections, but I got I got caught up in my own head, and I think I had had an argument with my spouse that day too. Uh, yeah. You so. also went first. I went first. That is I, not enviable. I was so nervous, which I I'm not I'm sorry usually. About that. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that was hard. It was hard to go first. That's I okay. Agree. You yeah. know what? I did it. You did it. We, we Yay both me. did it. We were there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. So yeah, thank you. my guest today was Julian Smith, and this is Felicia at High Felicia Podcast. I'm the host and producer sometimes. So <laughs> thanks, Julian. <laughs> thank you, Felicia. It was Have fun. A go on. <laughs>
Hi Felicia is supported in part by a generous grant from the Malden Cultural Council and recorded in cooperation with UMA Urban Media Arts in downtown Malden. You can find Hi Felicia on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, and most platforms a podcasts are found. Please take a moment to like, download, write a review, and share this program. You are our ears. Thanks for listening. To find out more about Hi Felicia or our guest or how to support this podcast, you can visit our Facebook page, our Instagram page, or www.feliciaryan.com, which is F-E-L-I-C-I-A-R-Y-A-N. And again, thanks for listening.